at Bally Midway, and you're listening to the Ted Dabney Experience. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Richard May, and I'm here as ever with Retro Gamer Magazine's Paul Drury. Hello. I'm the author of Missile Commander, a journey to the top of an arcade classic, Tony Temple. Hello. For this episode, we speak with graphic artist Paul Niemeyer. In any video arcade, especially during the proverbial golden age of the 70s and 80s, it wasn't always the games on screen that first caught the eye, but the colourful and imposing cabinets that housed them. To state the obvious, there were numerous manifestations of a game during the creative and manufacturing process. Any given game was carefully crafted code to some, a printed circuit board or numerous sheets of routed plywood to others. But in the final analysis, as it is now, as it was then, always first to draw the attention of the average teenage arcade patron was a bold, dynamic, sometimes lurid, but always eye-catching cabinet and header graphics. This was bona fide pop art for the coin-up kids of America and beyond. Nehemiah started his career at developer and manufacturer Bally Midway in the early 80s, working on such titles as Miss Pac-Man, Tapper and Spy Hunter. He also had a hand in creating such impressive cabinets as Discs of Tron, Satan's Hollow and the peculiar Singular Wacko. Paul tells us about the precision art of cutting and layering screens, life at Midway during the Bally takeover, working with the so-called Bally pinball art gods and having his homework marked by Sylvester Stallone, pissing off Wesley Snipes in the process. After leaving Bally to work in advertising, he returned as a freelancer and helped to produce the iconic cabinet art for the very first Mortal Kombat. As always, thank you for listening. We really do appreciate it. You can find all the usual social media links at tdepodcast.net and, if you're feeling so inclined, support us at Ko-fi. The URL for that is ko-fi.com forward slash tdepodcast. Hi, I'm Gary Vincent. And I'm Mike Stuhler. The Ted Dabney Experience podcast is brought to you in association with ACAM, the American Classic Arcade Museum. Visit ClassicArcadeMuseum.org to learn more about our collection and visit us in Laconia, New Hampshire. Paul, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. You're actually the, the first guest we've uh, had on who primarily worked on like the cabinets that house so many of the the games that we love from back in the golden age. So you created the side art and the marquees and also some kind of hands-on work, actually cutting screens and, and what like that was attached to the machine. So one of our former guests, a chap called Tim Lapatino, who wrote a book called The Art of Atari, he talks about this thing, the imagination gap. Back when you were working on some of those machines in the early 80s, the graphics on screen were quite primitive. So it was kind of up to the people doing the cabinet art to kind of, colour in what was missing uh, due to the sort of technical limitations. So do you, do you agree with that? Do you think the art you put on the cabinet kind of added to the player's kind of concept of what the game was about? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I know when we tried to come up with whatever art was on the cabinet, uh, we tried to reflect what the game was about. 
sometimes abstractly. So like with, uh, okay, with Satan's Hollow, I looked at it and, and said, well, okay, we've got these dragons and demons and all this other stuff. Uh, why don't we just look at it more abstractly and turn it into a design? And I, I was I was limited with what I had to work with anyway. I only had three colors to work with, so I thought, oh, great, we'll do shiny gold. I can work that out. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and that's how it, it came to be. But, but other games, they're more literal. But you know what really came to mind when you said that was centipede? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the right. I mean, the side art of, of centipede is just glorious. I, I've always thought that, and uh, I, you know, I was, I was like, boy, I wish I'd done that. That's <laughs> just kick ass, man. Well, could I, perhaps I could ask you that. Were you quite conscious of what other companies, particularly Atari, were you quite conscious of what they were doing on their cabinets and kind of looking and going? Man, that's good. I need to do something better than that. Did it? Did it feel like you were, you know, looking at the competition? Uh yeah, most definitely. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you a, a secret. And um, <laughs> the in-house arcade that was at Bally Midway, while I was an employee there, games would show up from competitors. Games would show up before they were released onto to the public, and I don't know how that happened, but. It did. Okay. Right. Okay. So, yeah, they were very much aware of what was going on around them. And, and we were constantly going to the arcade down the street, Aladdin's Castle, and, and checking out, you know, the latest, greatest, what was ever. And, you know, we all made sure that, that uh, we made the rounds at the convention to see what was the latest and greatest. Oh, yeah, it, it was very competitive. But more in a, um, uh, like... I want to do something even cooler than that in a way, you know, not, not like, um, you know, well, we're going to crush them or anything, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned that you would go to Aladdin's castle. Did you, did you wander along, see some kids playing on a game where you designed the cabinet art and kind of go, uh, I did that? Well, you know, it's funny you should say that because I, I don't think it ever really registered with us what the full scope of it was mainly because we did get in our car and drive you know, a couple of blocks down the street to a lens castle so it was just down the street it didn't the, what really did it for me was getting off the plane in brussels on my way to switzerland to go on a ski vacation and seeing satan's hollow in the airport and and like like a hammer in the forehead, it, it dawned on me. God, it's freaking worldwide. What the f? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not real quick on the pickup. I know. That's <laughs> <laughs> it. Oh, that's cool. It's funny now because you, am I right in thinking that you live in Chicago? Have I got that right? That is true. Yeah. Okay, so that means that you can actually still see some of your machines in a real arcade setting because you must be quite near galloping ghost so what about now do you walk along the aisles of galloping ghost and and stand next to i don't know discs of tron satan's hollow mortal Kombat? do you kind of sort of stand next to it and go hey <laughs> now i know how important my work was <laughs> uh, yeah uh, and i'd say that that's actually just recently that I've kind of, you know, embraced that. Um, after after Mortal Kombat, and I'm not going to go into the whole uh, thing, but I, I, I got kind of forgotten about for 27 years. And I don't know 
who was getting credit for my work. But, you know, the minute that I was rediscovered, I was kind of accidentally rediscovered, um, uh, the whole world showed up at my doorstep. You know, so... so um, well, I'm, I'm glad we saw yeah, the people knocking but, on your door. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. Let's go back to, to the start. Before you got into the industry, um, did you did you study art at college? Oh, oh yeah. Um, I, I was... I was studying uh, graphic art and illustration and actually uh, uh, 3D design, um, sculpting. I'm actually a sculptor now. <laughs> That's a, a, a sculptor? About, yeah, oh, yeah. About 50% of my, my work is, is uh, sculpting huge things in foam for, like, um, theme parks and haunted attractions and escape rooms and you, you name wow. it. Yeah, oh, I, just, right. I just literally got done building a, a 14 foot tall volcano for okay. a theme park. Well, that's, it. <laughs> that's your day job. That's it right there. So that's quite true. So when you were studying, when you were studying art in the in the seventies, yeah. yeah, I yeah. studied art in, in school, and uh, <laughs> I remember we would uh, sit around and, and wait for the attendance, and then and we'd skip out. And go over to the, to the student center and play pinball. Ah, and, and I, okay. And I think about it now. You know, I spent more time playing pinball and, and just like pouring over those games and figuring out how they worked and watching other people play. And I was just fascinated with it. And I had in my mind that I was going to be a pinball artist when I ah. got out of school. And so I graduated in uh, uh, 79. I went and worked for a uh, sign company on the southwest side of Chicago. And, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you, I'm so glad I did. Uh, vinyl lettering was invented about like 1980, I think, because I remember it, it happened while I was there. And uh, before that, they had all the, the old guys in the back that after hours they would like they'd bring the uh, journeyman in or and and they'd teach him like hand lettering. They were still doing it, you know. So I'd, I'd go back there and and just hang out and, and figure it out. So I was like one of the last guys to learn how to do actual hand lettering. And boy, did that come in handy. I'll say just as it was going out of uh, of style. Yeah, ah, yeah. Okay. Well, let's be more positive. Yeah. What what skills do you think you you did learn in let's call it the real world um, before you actually entered the video game business? Well, uh, I I, th I think a lot like a lot of practical stuff like uh, um, how to, how to do production artwork and how to meet deadlines and how to. Um, you know, scrabble stuff together, uh, uh, you know, on a shoestring and, and make it look way better than what it really was, you know. <laughs> uh, say, say. I mean, and that's every business, you know. Definitely. And then the sign business, you know, that that, that was, well, every, every business, let's face it, any, especially anything with, with art. You know, a lot of times uh, there's changes and all sorts of other stuff that you have to kind of deal with. And, all sounds very uh, useful, very useful skills. Just one last thing is that you mentioned that you're a big pinball player, right? We get. I just wondered, were you playing arcade, video arcade games as well? Were they on your radar? It's funny you should say that, too, because um, I, I had my heart set on, on becoming a pinball artist. And uh, how I got the job at, at Bally Midway was uh, a friend of mine called me up at the sign company one day and he said, hey, I saw this ad in the paper. You have got to go down and get this job. <laughs> it's at, at Midway Electronics. Bally Midway. Bally, dude. Bally Pinball. Hello. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm like, ding. <laughs> the light bulb went off. Yeah, man. Cool. 
an hour later, another friend called, didn't even know the other guy, with the exact same conversation. And he goes, I saw this ad, it's in the paper, it's so it's like describing you. So I remember when I when I was eventually hired, um, that I was hired by the the you know Midway Electronics, you know, the electronics games. And I remember actually being disappointed and thinking, ah crap. <laughs> <laughs> And looking back, looking back now, how, how foolish that was. But, but you know, because I just had my heart set. Uh, you know, my first love was pinball, and that's like, you know, um, that's what I had my mind set on. I can even go back to when I was a little kid. My family used to go to this resort, and uh, they had like two pinball machines. And the I remember remember just living on those damn things. Whenever we weren't in the pool, we were on those pinball machines. So, so Paul, um, give us an idea what the art department was like at Midway when you first joined. Was it was it as you expected, or? Um... Well, it it, it, was, it was funny because, like I said, I was hired by Midway, and and then, oh, very shortly after I I, I started on board, uh, they decided to meld the uh, the ballet pinball artists group yeah. with us, and we became one big, you know, art family. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, this is awesome. What an incredible opportunity. All right. these art gods are on their way over here. to, And we're going to be working together in the same, in the same, oh, shit. I mean, you're working with all those guys. Now, how am I going to shine I was going to ask that? you, I was going to ask you what it, what was that like to work, work alongside <laughs> your heroes? Exactly. Right from the <laughs> off, right? Yeah, right. You know, I, like I said, for that first nanosecond, I was all giddy <laughs> about you know hanging out with, with your heroes, and then all of a sudden realizing now I have to compete with the heroes. So tell me, tell to... me who we let, let, let's you know for the um, for the benefit of our audience, who are we talking about here? Give us some names. Oh yeah, I'm sure plenty of name dropping here. They all deserve uh, as much credit as possible. They're just amazing people. Uh, well, uh, I'll start with Paul Ferris, uh, who was the uh, head of the entire department, mm. and then uh, Greg Ferris was under him, and the name is spelt completely different, and they are not related in any way, but pronounced the same. Uh, and then uh, uh, Tony Ramoni, and Margaret Hudson, and Pat McMahon, and Doug Watson, uh, j- just an incredible Group of, of... T- Tony, Tony Ramoni and Pac McMahon, they both sound like pseudonyms. I mean, they're not, I know, but uh, <laughs> tickled me a little bit. Sorry, I lost you there. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to edit. I'm going to edit myself out of there. It was a, what I thought was a witty observation, was evidently not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, uh, yeah, um, Pat. Uh, boy, Pat, I, I worked with uh, Pat. On and off throughout the years, he worked at an ad, ad agency that I did a lot of work at later when I was working on a lot of movie properties with the um, with the ad agencies. And uh, uh, Pat was, he, he was, what was the name of that place? I can't remember now. Yeah, Pat was responsible for, for designing, oh, a ton of um, McDonald's, like like the little giveaway toys. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. For uh-huh. years, for years and years, really super clever stuff. Oh, he's just just a super clever guy. Um, like the licensed stuff, or the like the Hamburglar and, and Ronald himself. Or? You know, one of most, most actually mostly um, it would have been licensing stuff because because that's actually what what um, I ended up working at that that particular uh, 
marketing group or ad agency, whatever they were, um, we, we designed, yeah, we, we designed giveaway uh, stuff for like, like whatever movie property, let's say it was the Pirates of the Caribbean or something. So they have to come up with something cute, some little clever toy that yeah that's what that was yeah well i mean just just jumping back to um uh, the subject of bali you know working with these people who you really admire what are the pros and cons paul of working um with people whom at least in your eyes are you know as i said before heroes or at least people to admire yeah well well, the pros uh i'd say i hope would be obvious is, is that you know you're you're around that talent and we're all sharing ideas and we're all in the same room working together. And it was just a unique situation that I, uh, when I, when I lost my job, I, I went looking for that job. Mm. If only to find out it was a unicorn that didn't exist any other place, but, but it right. was just an, an amazing, unique experience uh, to be around that talent and be able, I, I probably learned more in those two years than I did in the 24 prior to that. Oh, that's cool. Uh, that's cool. About art. Mm. Uh, and design and such just just from sharing and being around everybody now uh, the con was be- getting noticed in that austere group um so i i, I got very creative <laughs> okay. you kind of had to read the room a little bit at, at Bally midway and, and see what it was that was needed and then fill the niche and, right. and that's what i did so um i saw that they were um they were just obsessed with going to Japan and throwing huge sums of money at these um, games that they would buy for you know, prototypes. And mm-hmm. uh, they would bring them back. And they needed, like, header art. Uh, it, and and it, they were just one-offs, real, just real quickie. You know, like we'd do micro renderings and throw, throw it on the header and out the door it would go. And I jumped on that. I so saw, these were like these were like to put games on test, right? Presumably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. we had we had no idea what it was going to be. Oh, it's a skating game. Oh, it's a uh, it's a little little you know um, go through the maze game. Well, whatever it was, you know. Um, and, and and the thing is, they had a mindset that because their success was you know came from Pac Man and Space Invaders, all Japanese you know games that that was where the the winning combination was. And and it was a mm. little irritating. I mean, okay, you know, you had some of the most talented people on the planet all gathered together in one place. And then up on the second floor, you had some of the most talented, you know, programmers on the planet all gathered in one place. And you kind of went to Japan to go buy games. Right, that sounds a little bit like um, Centuri. Um, we spoke to Lee Fueling from Century, and uh, he tells a similar tale. That must have been um, quite frustrating at times. Oh, totally. You know, but but again, I, I saw it as an opportunity. Yeah. You know, so um, I, I jumped on any any game that came in. I, I was always like, first first one, I'll do it. And and I think the other everybody else, um, like all the all the belly uh, artists, a lot of, a lot of them had games in progress. When they showed up, mm. you know, they just mm. kind of brought it in, in, in mid stride and, and, uh, finished the game once they showed up, you know, so they had a mindset of doing this 
big project and, and all the steps that it took to do that and, and taking the steps in order as they come. So there was no extra space or time in their day for well, th throwing together one-offs or doing quick marker renderings and that kind of stuff. And I, I thought, oh, here is my niche, baby. Yeah. So I, I did. And I became like the fastest wrist in the West. And, and, I, and I turned that into a freelance <laughs> <Careful>. business. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Sorry. <done it. laughs> Imagine I didn't say that. But you see, okay, so you, so you, so you were you were adept at seeing an opportunity and going for it. And that's that's brilliant. Well, there must have been a hierarchy um, at the company in terms of who got the best projects, but perhaps not. Perhaps everybody was so enveloped in their work that I guess that allowed you to um, seize seize the day, seize the opportunity when you yeah, when you yeah. saw it. A little bit, and you know, so um, I, I, you know, I was thrown in as best as I could, hoping I was shining. And um, I I got put on a couple of teams, like I worked on Tron, uh, and that was early on. I mean, the, I, I think uh, right away when uh, the Bally Group came over, I worked with Doug Watson. And I, I remember kind of meeting him to work on Tron. You know, we really didn't even know each other before that, and, you know, we just kind of showed up. And so I ended up cutting all the color screens. You know, so it wasn't a, you know, it was, it was definitely all production art. But if you take a good look at that game... <laughs> <laughs> that was a, for for a first time cutting color screens. It was mind numbing. Oh my god! Take us take us through take us all through that process, then, Paul. Um, what does that entail exactly? <clears throat> well, okay. If, if, if you remember the the artwork, it's a bunch of tiny little lines. They're all a bunch of different colors. Yep. All of that has to be. It has a separate screen, right? Yeah, right. They're all separate screen exactly, yep. and it can't overlap. But, you know, because you'll you'll get a you know a thread or a little little oh. hairline edge or some shit like it's out of register kind of thing. Fuck it up, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it 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 was it's like doing surgery. Thing and and that was the thing too is that the um the screens couldn't move. You know, they all had to be completely stationary because even just the slightest you know. You know, it's all hand done. There were no computers that were, but we weren't using them. And, not, and, and they, they wouldn't have been able to handle the, the size of the thing we were working on anyway. Yeah. The computers of the day, there was no way. No, of course. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, so you, we, 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 we got these games in. You got these games in from Japan and they were to go out and test in, in, in with a very short turnaround so we were, were you doing screen printed artwork for all of these or were some of it kind of like were you were you bringing those skills you mentioned earlier to task to 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 the game you know the hand painting of the of a lettering and that kind of thing was all that employed in the uh, in the process yeah the latter there not, 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 mm -hmm. not the front. yeah there was no, like cutting color screens was all production artwork and and these games were all one-offs um, wow okay yeah, I, we wow. would just we would make these marker renderings on our marker bond paper, and marker wow. bond was was wonderfully translucent, and mm, uh, mm. you know so we we do these markers, and and uh, you'd put a, a piece of Lexan behind it, and throw it literally right up on the header. Oh, so many times they would have a game that would be out on the loading dock and somebody would come in and go there's a game on a dock you need to go take a look at you know <laughs> that's right they wouldn't even bring it in or anything no, 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 we, we don't know oh that really is see that, that's like real real seat of your pants stuff has any oh, any of this stuff day. survived paul any of this stuff survived do you have any um do you know of any examples of um 
you know, these test cabinets that have stood the test of time. Oh, I, I kept a bunch of the stuff. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm a pack rat. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Oh, totally. Oh, all right. Here, well, I, I'm going to tell, tell a little story here about um, they had these flat files, and they had just bought them just before I started there. And, um, oh, they were beautiful things, and wood and little brushed aluminum handles. And uh, they put all the artwork in there. And when the flat file would get full... <laughs> And they had to put more artwork in. They'd go and grab whatever game was on the bottom and throw it out. Yeah. Oh, wow. Throw it out. Wow. They well, they didn't think they didn't think ahead. I mean, who knew, right? Uh, who knew? Well, I don't know. But I, I, personally, even I thought, I mean, oh, and I was a noob. You know, this is, I was like 24, 25 years old. And I'm, you know, just thrilled to be there. Christ. And, uh but I'm seeing this going on, and I, and I thought to myself immediately, grab your shit and get it home before they toss it out. And that's what I did. Good. I I, I stole <laughs> I stole my artwork. And, uh, oh, there were plenty of times I remember walking out with headers, uh, you know, like prototype headers that we had made, and, and like, had them stuffed in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I'm not joking. Oh, yeah, oh hey, yeah. working that was like working at the Pentagon, man. <laughs> oh, the security was just nuts. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. Well, okay. Ni- 1982. I-, I had a, I had a card with a magnetic strip on it. I- I'd never seen anything like. I didn't even know what that little thing on the back was. In 1982, nobody had those. We had them, and th- they changed the um, the code every month. And if you were an uh, employee in good standing, well, then you get your code. <laughs> you know? uh, and, and and even on the elevator, like, okay, if you wanted to go up to the second floor and go talk to Brian Colin about whatever it is he was programming, if you were working on something, you know, working on Wacko, um, they would give you a code and you would have you had to put the code into the elevator, you know, to go to whatever, and it would let you go to that floor. This is 1982 when you're doing all, all this and yeah that was it was crazy it was it was pretty intense they were quite secretive then oh yeah oh uh, we we nicknamed the third floor black ops because <laughs> we had no idea what the fuck was going on up there <laughs> all right is that just 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 going back to these um you know quick fire games that went out into production onto test well how, how many you know did you think wow that was amazing and it just kind of got dumped i mean how how much of this stuff do you think was a missed opportunity do, was there some real gold some real lost gold in there you you what do you think no boy uh or the opposite mine on a lot of dirt shoveling a lot of dirt i i had a difficult time making some of them look interesting enough to want to go and play <laughs> sometimes we were, I wouldn't even know what the hell the game was about I, I did one called Zodiac um, alright go on yeah but um, to, to this day I'll never know what, why it was called Zodiac <laughs> hopefully not based on the uh, serial killer of the same name right right I mean although that would be good but, uh, it had nothing to do with any of that or, you know, sure, well, sure it was 1982 sure. but I guess, I guess he was I don't know. I have to look that up. Whether that was that would have been uh, in that in that timeline or not. Anyway, yeah. let's say no. Let's say no. <laughs> I'm gonna say no. Be- yeah, mainly because they chose that name. And and if the Zodiac Killer had been 
you know, in, in the newspapers, that would have been reason to, to squelch a name like Zodiac. That, that, I mean, that was just company policy. Of course, don't, yeah. Don't sure. stir up any... Yeah. You could have a puzzle-breaking minigame. That would work. <laughs> it really yeah, would, yeah, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, the, well, uh, I, I came up with a with a, uh, a piece of art for uh, Midnight Marauders, and the, the name well, the word "midnight" was in in uh, blood floating in space. Ah, uh, well, we, we're gonna we're gonna pick up Midnight Marauders towards the end, actually. So I'll, I'll, oh, I'm gonna cut oh, you off okay, on that cool. point. Oh, no, good, good. Sure, <laughs> um, sure. Ju- let me just one more on f- for me. Um, you know, one game. I mean, speaking of Japanese games, one game that was getting out there was Pac-Man, of course. Um, the game that made Bally Midway a fortune from their license from Namco. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which pac which Pac-Man games did you end up working on, Paul? I worked on um, Super Pac-Man uh-huh, yeah, and yeah. Pac-Man Plus. And uh-huh. it, it was funny kind of how I, I, I did the headers for that. And at that point, they were already putting them in generic cabinets. Mm. You know, like, like uh, they did not produce any new side art for the cabinets um, for a couple of reasons. One, you know, obvious uh, expense and time and energy and and uh, and the other thing was hardly anybody ever saw them. You know, when, mm-hmm. when they're in the arcade, they're all all the games are all shoved up next to each other. You don't even see the side art. So what was the point yep. of going through that? You know, trouble. Everybody knows this Pac Man. We're just putting a new header in there, and you know, off. That was a real quick fix, especially for the arcades, because now it was just put a new header in and a new board instead of buying a whole new game, which was one of the big stinks that ended up causing the um, the video game crash in 83. I lost my yeah. job over, you know, so. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, probably a little bit of positioning for people who, I think we could just kind of assume on our podcast that everybody tuning in is, uh, you know, a, a retro gaming or arcade gaming fan. Um, but it's it, it's good to be reminded of, you yeah, know what I mean? Like, such an odd thing for, for everything to go from hero to zero yeah. over, overnight. Yeah. I, I didn't understand it. You know, um, we're, we're cranking out all these games and they're super popular and everybody's loving it and all of a sudden we're losing our jobs. Wait, what? Yeah. How did sure. that happen? Right. You know, well, yeah, and presumably you guys are kind of like neck deep in, you know, just getting things done and being creative and that kind of stuff's going to creep up on you, isn't it? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, and then um, I remember how creepy it was at the end too where every Friday was Black Friday and like 50 people from the factory would be gone. Wow. You know, yeah, and um, okay. and the thing is, we were very much attached to the the factory in that uh, if you walked out of the, the double doors in the art department into the hallway, the double doors right across from our double doors took you directly onto the factory floor. Could not have gotten right, closer. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, kind of how it kind of should have been and couldn't have, it couldn't have been any other way back in the day because that's you know video games and arcade games were the the whole experience they weren't just the game board they were the you know the cabinet and of course the cabinet with the art that mm-hmm. you yourself were um, you know was responsible for just tell me about the pack super pac-man because that you know you, we're talking about these games being bunched up against each other in the arcade but super pac-man of course had a distinctive 
cutout um, in, in the shape of Pac-Man's mouth, didn't it? If I remember. Oh vaguely. yeah, that's yeah. kind of unique, right? That one, that one might have. Oh, that's right. The uh, um, the uh, the side, the side panel. They 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 had cut that little that a uh, wedge out of the yeah, side. Yeah, just above the screen. That, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. I do remember that. That was. I think that that was like a custom ad. But uh, but again, that was. When you when you look at it, it's just, that's a pretty minor thing. You know, okay, just cut a little wedge out of this thing, and then we'll we'll throw you know throw some Pac-Man art around it. Pretty simple and pretty basic and pretty cheap, quite honestly. Well, well, you know? well, yeah, but good, a good right. idea, you know. Uh, because okay, at that point, like they, I while I was there, I remember when I first started, um, all the cabinets were one-offs, and they had this huge. Yeah engineering department and everybody was was you know and they're doing it by hand you know, all, all you know all the all the draftsmen are working by hand they're not on computers it was 1982 yeah. you know? and, and they every cabinet was was unique and it and finally they went just get a generic cabinet that we can all use you know yeah <laughs> and then yeah. somebody came up with wacko well, Wacko being another thing we're going to cut. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's, uh, I'm going to hold you on that one as well. Yeah, sure, no. Very dis- a very distinctive looking game. Uh, and we'll, we'll come on to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just finally, finally, sure, Paul, sure. Um, you know, you working with um, a company like Namco, you know, with, with uh, and, and the Pac-Man license, did you, I mean, were they really strict with how you portrayed Pac-Man? You know, did they give you like the exact angle of Pac-Man's open mouth and weird things like that? Or are we given free reign ready or, or somewhere? Yeah, that, that was an odd thing too. I, I always thought, I mean, um, you know, we were always taught that every character had its own Bible and, you know, and you do not vary yeah, from, sure. the, from the script at, at all. And Pac-Man had none of that. Uh, it, oh really? Okay. Yeah. Well, if you look at the artwork, yeah, look at the, the character um, from from each game. You know, okay, like Super Pac-Man. That one they had provided me with the characters that they, but I ended up having to re-illustrate them because um, the version they gave me was just unusable. So, so yeah. So that one, in in that respect, yes, um, it was do exactly as we gave, gave it to you. But then Pac-Man Plus came along. And the 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 thinking was yeah just do whatever the hell you want I'm like okay um, and I remember I had put like kind of Mickey Mouse gloves on and little little baldless <laughs> Mickey Mouse shoes you know and and uh, the, right, the big sure. stink was no man don't screw with the mouse <laughs> what are you nuts right you know yeah screw the mouse <laughs> okay okay <laughs> okay okay, okay I'll change that so so the joke was that. That particular Pac-Man, that uh, that incarnation, has welding gloves and biker boots. <laughs> right? I had to come up with something. So he's got he's got the, these gloves with gauntlets on them, and you know the, yeah. wel- the welding gloves, and then and then biker boots. You know, and and that, that was kind of our inside joke. So, Paul, your 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 comment, don't screw with the mouse, actually leads us very nicely into um, what I wanted to talk to you about, which um, was was really arguably the first big game that you worked on, um, Discs of Tron, which, of course, was a hangover from the original Tron game. Um, and it was deemed worthy enough to stand on its own two feet. Um, you mentioned earlier some of the challenges involving, involved in actually creating the artwork for that game. But 
I wonder if we could just take a look at the cabinet itself, which is obviously a thing of beauty, but it it's a big thing. You know, this is no ordinary upright cabinet. It's a sort of full on. Yeah, you're you're talking about that environmental. Right. Yeah. It, precisely. Um. I. Oh, I just. I still have dents on the side of my head from that thing. I bet you do. <laughs> I, I, I just. I just wonder if you could talk to some of the um, practical challenges and considerations you had to take into account when, when working on something that physically is so different to a to what we might call a regular arcade cabinet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I remember just like feeling. So elated, actually, when we saw stuff like that. Maybe we were just young and dumb, okay? <laughs> but, um, like, none of that actually, like, it, it didn't scare us or anything. We were like, oh, cool. What, what can we do with this shit? Let's, let's, let's go crazy, you know? Um, and and I, I'd say the biggest challenge with that was uh, I'm 6'4", and I kept popping my the side of my head on the, <laughs> you know, it wasn't made for six people 6'4". Yeah. It just wasn't. <laughs> you know? So, uh, and and that kind of inspired the the little foam uh, cushion that was put on the on the top of the thing because I kept mm-hmm. popping my head on mm-hmm. it. What I like about it is um, it is so immersive, and it was a pretty good recreation of you know what it what it would have been like to have stood inside the the Tron universe. I, I agree a thousand percent. The actual yeah. game experience. I, funnily enough, entirely coincidentally, I I, I played one o- over the weekend. Uh, a a friend of mine has one in his oh, house. Oh, nice! And um, I was just there thinking, regardless of the game, which you could pick apart, I guess in 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 terms of its depth, but actually standing inside that cabinet is something else. It, it really is a unique experience. It, it, isn't it though? I mean, it kind of gets back to that whole tactile right. thing that uh, totally immersed in. You know the game and the and the feel of it, and uh, you know utilizing that black light, and, and and you've created this little environment that that is isolated from the outside, even you know sound wise to a certain extent. And I remember how effective it really was when you you had all that din of all the other games going on, and you got in that cabinet and it muted it just enough for you know, to be completely immersed in, in this. And then you have the lights and the game and, you know, and everything else. Uh, it, it really was quite unique. It, totally. And probably still to this day, I, I would argue. Um, I'm interested in your recollections of working with Disney. Um, one would assume as a young aspiring artist, that was, that was a pretty big deal, right? Uh, yeah, um, that that was a big deal, and and the funny thing is, later uh, uh, through the ad agencies and marketing agencies, I, I worked for Disney a lot, and mm-hmm. it it lost its uh, <laughs> its glow, shall we say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at first, though, you know, working on Tron, that that was the shit, man. Um, and the uh, I've, I've got a quick little story about uh, uh, Tron that that uh, they told us we were going to watch, we were going to see the movie. You know, now this uh, everything was was coming out simultaneously. So the and the movie was like just this huge secret that you know, and we barely knew anything about it. And, and I remember thinking, um, how are we going to work on this? They're not even telling us anything. We know we know nothing about it. So they were sending out a representative and going to show us the movie. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I remember going out of my way to kind of like rub everybody's noses in it <laughs> that we were getting to see the movie, man. You know? 
And um, so the day came, I was like a Tuesday morning, and the uh, Disney rep comes in, and they and we get us into a conference room, and they wheel in the TV, and the, you know, the um, and he puts the tape in, and and we're sitting, oh yeah, all right, okay. Should we, I'm thinking, should we made popcorn? I don't know. You know? Um, it runs the movie and it's like 30 seconds. <laughs> like, you know, light cycles and disatron and, you know, and it's like, and it's like, well, what is that thing flying past us there? I don't know, you know. Um, oh, there's a beam on a thing. What is, oh, okay, it's gone. Uh, oh, there's like motorcycle things, but they're leaving like a trail of light and that's gone now too. Oh, and apparently we're done. <laughs> that was what it was. So like D- Doug and I, Doug Watson and I are sitting there looking at each other like, what the fuck was that? You know? <laughs> was it enough? Was it enough to give you a taster of um, how unique the movie was going to be? Oh, uh, as much as much a taste as when you go to like the ice cream parlor and they gave you that little stick with the. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, that much. Yeah. Okay. okay. So it sounds. So it sounds like. Um, Disney were um, obviously very protective over their I- IP, oh, and, yeah. and, and yeah. one would Nothing's imagine yeah. <laughs> one would imagine that extended through to the, the the artwork that they shared with you, and 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 uh, presumably they they were keen that you guys treated their IP with you know due caution and respect. I just wonder how much direction they actually gave you, and, yeah, and that, did they uh, have they, they sent over exactly what they thought that machine should look like. And then it became our uh, problem to create that, that image. And, okay. and uh, so that, that's basically what it was. So uh, I had to cut the color screen so that they were exactly the color, you know, the, the four color process stuff that they sent over. And we weren't doing four color process at the time. It was all silk screen. So it, it all had to be um, mentally broken down and then cut each color unto itself, <laughs> right? Like doing surgery, like I said, it was pretty crazy. But um, but great fun, and we were young and and ambitious, and you know, we were, you know, I remember thinking, I don't care, we'll work till two in the morning. This is fun, you know. And it was, mm-hmm. it was fun. Yeah, I know. We, it's, we, uh, we had beers, we had a little refrigerator. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was more of a part. We'd order pizzas. You know, it, it was it was more of a party where we were making a lot of art all the time. Yeah. I mean, I you know, I, I uh, I'm not just saying this because you're here, Paul, but I I genuinely think you can be very proud of um, the finished product on both the upright Tron cabinet and indeed discs of Tron, and discs of Tron especially. I mean, every inch of that cabinet has some sort of artwork on it. Even the floor of that environmental yes. cabinet has yeah. uh, like that sort of bullseye um, artwork on it. I mean, it, you know, it's it's right, uh, right. yeah. Oh, yeah, that was. What a pain in the ass that was the cut. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah. So, um, uh, onto a more um, sort of traditional arcade game, and that and um, say Satan's Hollow. I just wondered how your involvement there came about. Well, um, that was my very first game that was entirely my artwork, and um, I at that point I, I think I'd worked on. Um, I'd, I'd done Tron and I'd done Super Pac-Man and I'd done um, Pac-Man Plus. And during the uh, the time working on Pac-Man Plus, I had to come up with the uh, the first Pac-A-Bet, first uh, Pac-Man um, typeface. Because mm. we, we literally didn't have any other words, of the, any other letters than P-A-C-M-A, you know, and that was it. So 
how am I going to come up with the rest of the alphabet? Oh, because they wanted other words in that. And, and then we were like, well, this will be handy to have anyway. So that was the very first one. I don't know whatever happened to it. And there have been many, many iterations of it since. But uh, I like to think that mine was the very first. I, I'm pretty sure it was. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, uh, Satan's Hollow. Uh, I was working at my desk one day and Paul Ferris, the boss, comes over. And he's got a bunch of blueprints under his arm. And he just throws them on my desk. And he goes, how'd you like to do a game? And I was like, yeah, cool. Uh, who am I working with? And he goes, you're working with you. Because <laughs> at, at that point, you know, I'd, I'd been teamed up with somebody else that was like the the lead artist. And I was going to do whatever it is they told me to do. And I just had kind of taken that was my my place. So when he came by with Satan's Hollow, my place had changed. <laughs> you know? um, which, and I have to say that in my way of thinking, that was probably a pivotal moment in my career. At least I felt it was because mm-hmm. I, I felt like, oh my God, he has faith in me. He he believes that. And not only that, but like I, I, I felt like I was on the same level as the Bally Art Gods now. Right. You know, I, I've arrived. And then, of course, a nanosecond later was the thought, oh, crap, you better pull something awesome out of your ass for this. Because <laughs> this is your big shot here, Junior. Make it good. Mm. So, and so I just wonder how how much understanding of the game you, you would have actually had before coming up with the artwork for the for the cabinet. Did you get sight of any gameplay and the way it looked and its subject matter or did 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 one influence the other? Did did your artwork in some way influence the look of the game and vice versa? Um, no, I'd, I'd say that uh, the game pretty much existed when I was brought on to do the graphics. Uh, because I remember after uh, Paul and I had our, our initial meeting over the game, uh, he said, okay, let's go take a look at it. He goes, we'll go play it for a while. You know, So they, they had they had one loaded up in, in a generic cabinet out of the, in the uh, the famous arcade. And I remember playing it for about two hours, and I brought my sketch pad and, um, you know, just, just made a couple of notes and some sketches and stuff. And then I came back and, and uh, you know, started doing doing some drawings. Uh, my initial drawing of, of Satan on the header was more like... Um, Legend, like like the Tom Cruise movie, with, you know, where the 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 demon and the huge horns, yeah, yeah. and and uh, I didn't I didn't go with the huge horns, but but it was more like along those lines. It was it was definitely beefier, and uh, they were like, oh no 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 no, none of that, none of that. <laughs> <laughs> nice traditional nineteen um, thirties kind of Satan looking guy. Okay. You know? Put a little, you can put your own little twist on it, but that they wanted a more traditional look. So, and that—that's how that all came to be. That's why that was the way it is. Yeah, interesting. The marquee's fabulous, actually. Oh, thank you, thank you very I like much. Like the way the, the word "Satan's Hollow" sort of stretch over the the wings or whatever they are. Of, oh, um, th- thanks. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I remember. I, I mean, I was young and. You know, like, God, I, I hope everybody thinks this is cool. Is this cool? I don't know. Is this cool? I don't know. It's cool. I'm doing it. Okay. You know, I think it's cool. I hope everybody else does. You know? Yeah, sure. It's, I mean, it's interesting. You, you you mentioned that there was pushback on your initial idea. I was going to ask you more sort of generally. I mean, were you given carte blanche to give the art, you know, you, you, your own your own voice and your own look, your own look and feel? Um. I mean, uh, you know, everything had to, of course, you know, uh, uh, Greg, you know, had first say, uh, we, and, then, and then Paul was, was his boss and all of our bosses. I was kind of working more under Paul on this 
I, I remember Greg coming over and just kind of looking over my shoulder and going, uh-huh, uh-huh, and then just moving on. Uh, it, it was it, it, it was really me working with Paul Ferris on, on, on that game, and which made me feel really good, too, because, uh, um, like I said, I, I felt like I had his faith, mm. you know, and, and that I was actually working one-on-one with him uh, to, to put it together. What was just just a, a huge deal. So yeah, I mean, I, ha- I had to get his approval, uh, you know, for anything and everything. But uh, but again, he was very um, he he wanted to see what I came up with, you know. And he, he didn't want to put too much input in because he didn't want it to be too influencing. He'd, he'd rather have me come up with what it was I came up with, and I, and I realized that, and I, I knew this is my shot, mm-hmm. but you know, and I need to take it, and and you know. So that, that, I think that's what that was more than anything. What was, uh, but but yeah, uh, as as far as uh, me coming up with the stuff, once I you know changed the um, the dynamic of the face, you know, the head of the of the Satan character, everybody, everything else pretty much remained the same. That was about that was really all, all that changed on that was was the head and the face. Can I just, um, sorry, Tony, can I just cut in here, actually, and just ask about Satan Solo specifically? Um, in, in that, okay, the game was released in 82, so, you know, I was going to say this was like slap bang in the middle of America's, you know, satanic panic, moral panic, but I don't really think that kind of got a, got a head of steam, really, until like 83, 84, did it? So did, did you have any kind of puritanical um, pushback? On, on a game theme, themed around uh, Satan, etc. Well played, sir. Yes, boy. Yeah. How about? Oh my God, um, mm. that is is funny. First of all, I, I was raised in a super ultra conservative farm town, tiny little farm town. I was raised on a dairy farm. Mm. Um, you know, so I I could not tell my Lutheran Bible thumping parents that I was doing Satan's Hollow. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so, Brilliant. but but on a uh, okay. So now, now back in the office. Meanwhile, back in the office. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I remember one day it, w- it had been out for a while, and uh, Paul Ferris came over to my desk, and just like he did with the blueprints, he he just throws a couple letters on the on the on the table, and I said, "What's this?" He goes, "Look them over." So I pull it on it. It's your mum. <laughs> I, I wish it had been. No, it was Jerry Falwell. And um, Jim Baker, as he used to say back in the day on his stupid TV show, all these television, uh, these TV evangelists had sent me hate mail. Amazing. Um, oh, and they're, oh, the, such a nice paper, you know, linen stock, little gold stamping crosses. Ooh, so very nice, you know. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, and ooh, they're so glittery, and ooh, it feels so nice in my hands. I, I was one. You could wipe yourself with this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and and I'm going to hell, and you know the usual. You know, you're going to hell. Um, how how dare you? Uh, and not, and it's worse for you because you're, you know, you're influencing in a, a whole, you know, um, generation. And, and we've spoken to your mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just went on. I would, oh, I would give my little finger to have those the letters. Oh my God, there, that was like a badge. Of, oh, oh, so, so what? What? I almost forgot the most, the best part of the. Oh, Paul comes over and he throws them down and, and, and I, I go, what's this? And he goes, look them over, and he goes, you've hit the big time. You have enemies. <laughs> That's great. You know what? On the on the flip side of that, did you get any fan mail from? Um, 
you know, kind of Satan worshipping metalers uh, <laughs> or anything of that nature? If if I if I did, um, I w- it was not shared with me. I, uh, on, along that same line, though, Doc Mack from Galloping Ghost, yeah, uh, shared with me. Uh, oh, I wish I, maybe it was Danzig. Anyway, he was a best yeah best Danzig, stage right? At, yeah, Glenn Danzig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He uh, possibly. Maybe not, okay. But, but anyway, anyway, he was backstage at, at a show, and uh, the band had a Satan's Hollow that they brought on tour with them. Oh, that's, that's Tony's, uh, that's, Tony's realm. He's a big metal fan. That's cool. Yeah, maybe, yeah man. Well, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not sure what the band was, but, but I remember uh, Doc Doc telling me that. He goes, oh, he goes, I gotta let you know. He goes, whatever band it was, you know, uh, had brought a Satan's Hollow with them on on the road, and it was in their dressing room so they could play. And all, and I bet they put their foot on the monitor, right? Which is something I hate. <laughs> very good. <laughs> See what you did there, Paul. Very good. Oh dear. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, so, back back to the matter in hand. Um, so, um, Paul, by by this time, it sounds like you were fairly settled at Bally Midway. Um, here on the podcast, we hear an awful lot. Um, about the day-to-day goings-on at Atari, and there, there was always a story to tell there. Oh, yeah. Just, just, just wondered how the how the sort of daily working vibe at, at Midway um, uh, was, and if you had any particular stories you might you might be willing to share share with us. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. Real, real, real quick. Um, uh, okay, the, the whole security thing was pretty tight, coming and going, and that sort of thing. Uh, <clears throat> And a lot of that had to do with my very first week. That I don't even know who this person was, but uh, my very first week, there was somebody of importance that uh, in the art department, and, and uh, he was coming and going, and I'm going, oh, man. I, I remember thinking to myself, that's the guy to know. And uh, it was a Friday. It was maybe my first Friday. And see you guys. Have a great weekend. Okay, bye. And then the, the scuttlebutt on Monday was he had emptied his computer and was at Atari. <laughs> okay. So my very first week, or, or thereabouts, I'm, you know, I, I was—I know I was just barely there. Yeah, the, all the security got bumped up in a huge way right after that. Um, one time, and, and and this is an interesting situation that that my my cubicle, my desk was right by the door of the art department. So anything that happened, um, I knew about. Like so, one day. The door opens up, and this little this this woman in like five foot nothing in this very smart business suit, and two other guys with her, and she pops out a badge and says, uh, "Federal agents." <laughs> <laughs> We're like, "What?" And we all had to push back from our desk. Just so they they did a little walk through, and, and it turns out, and I heard a. Uh, through the grapevine, and I'm not sure how if I can validate this or not, but this is what I heard that they had had a tip that military secrets were being uh, piggybacked onto hard drives from some of those games that they had gone overseas to buy. And it was an easy way for them to smuggle shit into, smuggle information into the country, and that's what they were looking for. Oh, wow. Which is the plot out of a B movie. <laughs> yeah. Pretty nutty, huh? Well, the- well, the Huawei situation was yeah. where they... Or, they, or, or Hunter Biden's laptop. Like, yeah. I, can, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I really shouldn't, Hunter should Biden's I? laptop. <laughs> we, we found it in the back of a wacko, right? Yeah, that's yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, thank you, Paul. Um, I am going to hand you over to Richie, who is going to um, pick up some of the other games which you designed our artwork for. Thank you. All right. Um, Paul, for completeness, we wanted to cover some of the other games you designed artwork. You know, you, you did artwork for one of those games, of course, would be Tapper. Oh, okay, sure, yeah. Um, yeah, let's talk about Tapper. That's that's awesome. Sure. That Tapper was oh, that was great fun. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I I remember I had actually started doing. Uh, well, okay, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. A uh, Cheers was very popular on TV at the time. Sure. So the the first. A uh, piece of art that I did for the Tapper header, we were actually going to make a, a big round sign like Cheers had, and and put and put Tapper in in that. And also, I had actually designed a a circular thing, but that got you know, that got eighty six along the way for you know costs and all that sort of thing. But for for a brief moment there, they they, they were thinking about going all out, you know. With, with a round, like, like a header that was on top of a machine, but it never, it never materialized. So anyway, uh, Budweiser had come to us, and, and you know that, and and I, that's the thing too is a lot of people see a root beer tapper now, and and they think that that was first, and then you know the Budweiser came. It was the other way around. Mm, mm. Budweiser came to us first and and said, hey, you know, let's let's make a game that we can put in bars. Okay, <laughs> they're all in bars, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> well, not not necessarily. Um, there was at the time there there was sort of a um, a mentality that oh these are kids games, yeah. you know, and 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 they they belong in an arcade, not a bar. But now you got a game that's about drinking in a bar. Well, that belongs in a bar, yeah, right? and, and nowhere else. <laughs> which is presumably why they had to do root beer tapper, right? You know, so make it arcade compatible. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly, because you know, like, well, you know, if we can make money off of this, we're certainly going to make money off of us and whatever spinoff we can come up with. Yeah. So yeah, so that that was that was the motivation behind that. But um, yeah, it was great. So so I inst- I remember I'd started the initial uh, uh sketches on it, and then uh, uh Margaret Hudson uh was freed up from whatever project she was working on, and uh, I think briefly. Pat McMahon had done a, a couple of uh, uh, sketches, and then uh, uh, Margaret came up with the character, and I did all the woodworking on the on the machine and some of the background uh, art, and we, we just kind of all collaborated. And then uh, I remember it, the the deadline got real tight, and uh, Tony was freed up from whatever he was working on, and Greg just went, "Okay, do the, do the header," and and Tony whipped it out, and I remember him whipping it out in like like just record time. Right, right, right. So you know what? And, tell uh, us, tell us, tell us more about Margaret because it's it's you know female names in this in, yes. in this industry at this time are kind of few and far between, or at least we don't. Boy, you know, yeah, no, that I'm so glad you said that. Um, Margaret is just an incredible talent, and I I enjoyed working with her so much. Yeah. Um, and I became friends with her. Just just the, the sweetest woman, and and just just a huge like I said, huge talent. Um, yeah, there, there's just a handful of women in the business, Margaret Hudson and, um, Sophia Ryan and, uh, um, um, Linda Deal. I mean, they were pretty much it. And I, I had an opportunity to work with or around or sort of with all, all three of them at one point or another over the years. Mm. 
Mm. You know, mm. so, so uh, that, that that's been been awesome. Um, and yeah, they they need to get way more uh, attention and credit than than what you know they they have. Uh, are you in, are you still in touch with uh, Margaret and Linda? Are they are they still with us? Uh, they... Yeah, yeah, they're they're around. Um, <clears throat> actually, I just reached out to uh, Pat McMahon's wife, and I think she she emailed me uh, some uh, like a contact information for her. So I have to you know see if I can you know reach out to Margaret. Yeah, maybe we'll we'll have a chat with you about that after the after after the recording. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Let, let me bring you. Let, let's bring us back into the. Um, Back, back to script, I guess. Yeah, sure. You know, and, and, and another huge hit for Midway was, of course, Spy Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, so where where did, I mean, I'm, I'm probably asking an obvious question, but where did you draw inspiration for your work on Spy Hunter? Well, um, I, I ended up doing a control panel mm-hmm. on, on, on that. And um, I, I actually, I remember looking up a bunch of um, dashboards, <laughs> you know, and it wasn't like we had the internet to, you know, to go go over and just browse through stuff. And I mm. actually had to go and, you know, we went to this place called the library. Yeah. <laughs> or or, or more, maybe more like card, a car dealer or something. I don't know. Maybe it's... Yeah, right. Well, well and, and, and that sort of thing too. Yeah. That, you know, but um, I, I remember like going into go to the library and getting booked on like exotic cars and and then future and then it was like more fu- than a futuristic cars and, and then I kind of had to come up with, with something that that worked with the controls that you know and it had that that steering wheel and the and the gear shift you know so that was a lot lot of, of fun stuff to play with. What about Sid Mead? And, did you did you look at some of Sid Mead's you know movie design stuff? Just yeah. Oh, that's funny you should say that. Absolutely, definitely. Oh, we had a whole library in the art department of, of books that actually I think mostly probably mostly I think it was Paul Ferris's personal you know library quite honestly I know a lot of books that I, you know like um, I'd pull it out and, and you'd open it up and say property of Paul Ferris or you know, <laughs> you know inside so I know he he brought a lot of his own books yeah you know and that that we all use as reference and there were a lot of, um, you know, uh, Boris Vallejo and uh, yeah, Frank yeah, Frazetta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. all huge fans of those guys. Who, who doesn't love some Frazetta? Who right, doesn't? right. Exactly, exactly. You know, and I, I was a huge fan of Soriyama yeah. at the time. You yeah. know, um, Chrome Babes. <laughs> what's, what's that <laughs> I like, you know? <laughs> sure, sure. I know, I know. I, sadly, I know exactly what you're talking about. But um, Spy Hunter. Spy Hunter, Paul. Spy Hunter. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Bring us back to this. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that was so, such a fun game, and uh, that Peter Gunn theme. Um, that uh, uh, just, I, I, of course, right, and it's just endless, and it, you know, it's just ingrained into your head. And, yes. And, yeah. Uh, you yeah. You know, it was just just great, uh, goofy fun, and, and uh, yeah, yeah, I think that game hit at just the right time. You know, oh, like, it's a cool like, game. There, there it's a cool game. Yeah, yeah. There was a there was a need for that game, and 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 all kinds of spy shit was you know uh, big, and and uh, um, Miami Vice was on. Yeah, yeah, and you riff, riffing on James Bond stuff as well. You know, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, you know what? Let's uh, just moving on from Spy Hunter. Then, what about some of the more obscure stuff? Even more obscure stuff. I mean, I mean, Wacko, for example. I mean, that truly is a unique cabinet design. And we think we've we we think we've spotted your initials in dots on the marquee itself. P E N. 
Did you did you manage to get your? Um, I mean, we'll talk about Wacko specifically in a minute. But did you manage to get your signature in, in, in any other artwork, or was that just a one-off? Oh no, no, I I, I stuck it in a Satan's Hollow. Right. Um, okay. Yeah, and and I even stuck it in on Pac-Man Plus. That took a lot of ball. I got oh, you did, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I probably really, really was was pushing the envelope there. <laughs> um, shouldn't should not have done it. And I noticed since um, in in recent uh, iterations of that game that Namco has taken my initials out. <laughs> oh, damn it! Oh, that's a shame. Fair enough, though. Yeah, bastards. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, well, okay, I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, I remember one day uh, Paul had come down from a meeting with, with the Ivory Tower. And, uh, again, my desk was right by the door. So he came zooming in, and I could see he was not happy. So he rolled into the center of the room and gathered everybody up. And he said, all right, all right, here's the deal. Uh, I just had a meeting with the boys upstairs. They're not so happy about, you know, some of the artwork that they've noticed. That, you know, with their signatures on it and that sort of thing. So, here's the deal. You guys got to be sneakier. You got to yeah. be. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> uh, right. You know, you, you got to hide it better, man. Here's the deal. If it makes it to production, it's too expensive to go backwards and they're stuck with it. Yeah. Oh, so, but what, what about, I mean, how great. I mean, I was expecting you to say, you guys have got to cut it out, but uh, bless him. That's great. Not, I like that. How about it? How about it? Yeah, he, yeah, he went yeah. to the mat with us. That's why he was so pissed off. And he wasn't pissed off that we were doing it. He was pissed off that, that you know, they were they were pissing and moaning about it. He, he didn't think they had any damn right to do so, and that everybody should get the credit for the stuff that they were doing, and that to, to do anything other than that was just criminal. Yeah. yeah. So, was, so, so, so you did the you did the marquee for Wacko. Did you did you do the um uh, the, the screen the screen? You did everything on Wacko, right? Yeah, okay. Right. Uh, I mean, what, a, what a cabinet! It's crazy, crazy little cabinet. Uh, <laughs> about it, and and yeah. and, and it is just, it is just filled with misconceptions too. For the yeah. longest time, I mean, like forty years, long time, um, I thought. That all of those characters were actually Brian Colon's characters, and I remember when I was doing it, it was a unique experience for me because this was the first time I'm I'm doing uh, um, a cabinet with artwork that is, isn't necessarily mine, but I'm giving it my spin. Yeah, you know, so uh, that was a very unique experience. What what I didn't know is that that, that was kind of like uh, the, the first proving grounds for the rest of my career because once you're working in advertising that's mm. all it was yeah sure. and i was like yeah it's like yeah. here here here's the layout that we show the client make it look like this only better you know uh-huh. right. <laughs> right right so so uh so anyway wacko um uh i i always thought that that was brian colin's idea too to do the cabinet like that and it turns out that all of it was just a the only thing with the it was brian's was was the little character um captain cruiser right everything else was was kind of a spin-off of some something that he he had done interesting and yeah. i don't even know who came up with the cabinet now in fact brian and i were in a tandem interview about oh not even a year ago and uh i started talking about wacko and he goes well that's not true <laughs> i went what do you mean he goes no those aren't my characters you're kidding me 
I, th- I thought those were all your. No, who's that? And he, he goes, no, I don't know. I, I don't know whose characters those are. And I'm like, wait a minute, you don't even know. And it's like, so we're, yeah, so like then, during the interview, we're having this back and forth between us, and the guy doing the interview is like, oh, this is gold, baby. Just, you know? uh, well, it's not. It's not. It's also not the kind of cabinet you can put any other game in, is it? No. <laughs> True. No. Truly, was a bespoke, uh, a bespoke right. thing. And, and that was the other thing too that that I looking back on it now, especially now knowing what was going on in the industry, mm. that you know, like like there was one school of thought here at, at Midway where they were putting together generic cabinets that they could just put a new header in and change out the board just to save the you know the, the arcade owners a, a big money from you know. Every time they had to buy a new machine, it was two thousand dollars in nineteen eighty two money. So yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and you know, and that's really what brought on the the, the crash. And one of the things that really brought it on was, you know, they were asking for, you know, um, cheaper games and less turnover. And what did they the, the industry's answer was Dragon's Lair. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Bad timing on that. Yeah. And, and I think that was like kind of the straw that broke the camel's back as far as the uh, the the video game crash. Yeah. Iconic though. You know. Yeah. It's so then. Right. Right. So now you've got something in a similar vein with Wacko. Yeah. Talk about a one-off. Holy crap. You know. And and where do you where do you put this thing and yeah it, you know it's it, it's yeah it's wacko all right but is it wacko enough to want make people put quarters into it you know uh, so they kind of struggled with that a little bit and and, and uh you know and and of, and of course just its uniqueness and its, and its wackiness you know it is wacko yeah. let's face it um well i urge I, I urge any of our listeners to i mean I'm, I'm sure a lot of them a lot of them will be more than familiar with Wacko, mm-hmm. even if only via the internet. Let me let me dig a little deeper, actually, to something even perhaps even less well known, which is Midnight Marauders. You know, you touched upon that earlier. <laughs> yeah, and that's, yeah. I think that's probably the last game you worked on at Midway. Is that right? That was my swan song game. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about yeah. Mid. That's a beautiful cabinet, though. Thank you. It's a shooting. I'm it was the the rifle game. It's a, it looked. Yeah. Like, it, was a, it was an electromechanical yeah. game, wasn't it? Right, right. Uh, kind of a, um, kind of a half breed. It was, yes. you know, they had the mechanical uh, gun, and but uh, it was a, a laser, and it, you know, shot, and the the actual target. It was a, a, a cantilevered mirror, so that it gave the the uh, the, the playing field depth. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and and I remember um, when when Paul gave me that game. I, I knew the, the writing was on the wall. I thought to myself, I have got to shine more than I've ever shined before. So thank you very much for the compliment on the cabinet because I really f- poured myself into it, you know, to try and show them I am so valuable. You need to keep my sorry ass on board here, okay? And that's and that's all your illustration on the side. They're, they're your characters. And that's your, the UFO oh, oh, yeah, and the yeah. aliens and oh, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, and super cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing that's not mine is, is the header art. And like I said before, uh, um, I had come up with a design that had the word um, a midnight in blood floating in space. And, yeah. And 
and uh, they weren't ready for that yet. It, it wasn't Mortal <laughs> Kombat yet. Uh, sure, sure, <laughs> another sure. Another ten years before we'll do any. Well, eight years at that point, I guess it was eighty-four. It, it, it does 84. actually. Did you say you did? You didn't do the header. You just did the side art. Did you? Yeah, I, I did the side art, and I did the um, the control panels. Yeah. And the front panel, and I also did the sculpt on the. Uh, on the lunar surface that, oh, that's you did. inside yeah and i uh, yeah, yeah yeah and i did all the artwork on the actual on the pieces the, the the targets as well so literally i did oh, everything wow. on the cabinet except well, that's kind of coming closer to your pinball ambitions in a way because it's kind of yes like, yeah, right you know yeah so okay so so here's my my, my story about <laughs> about how midnight marauders um so in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to save my job here. Right. You know? Um, and I'm a low man on the totem pole, so I, I knew I'm definitely up next. Um, I think they let Larry Daybeck go, and he and I were pretty much the midway guys, so I knew I, you know, I'm next. Mm. You know? So I'm, I'm staying late. Uh, and at this point, I had a contract, so I'm not getting any overtime or anything. You know, mm. I'm, I'm just putting in my own time, just showing them this guy, mm. <laughs> trying mm. to impress him, trying to keep my job. And, uh, and like I said, you know, doing the sculpt out of clay because, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm your one-stop shop guy, man. Mm. And uh, the moment I got done with it, they showed me the door. And, right. Yeah. And, and I was crushed. I was crushed. You know, I thought, oh, I poured my heart and soul into this and, and, and it did not off yeah but. i mean it's an interesting game it's uh funnily enough i was in um i went to i was in florida recently and i went to silver ball in delray beach and they have a they've got a, a chicago coin coney island um which as you know is a kind of like a similar proposition but far earlier um and it's got a kind of what i like about the at least what i i can ascertain from midnight marauders it's kind of as you say, it's a, it's a hybrid. It's a it, it's a relic of the past, but with a very much a modern aesthetic as well. It's a, it's a really really interesting curio uh, mm -hmm. from Bali, mm -hmm. I think. Right, and and you know they they struggled for a long time over what the target should have been, mm. you know, and we finally settled on you know aliens, robots, you know what, what's you know who who has who has any guilt about shooting shooting robots? robots. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, right, right, right. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, and then and since then we've replaced them with zombies. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, death, death, death race did that. Uh, interesting, but then, and as you say, um, as you say, you were shown the door, um, yeah, and you right. you were you were you were, I guess, booted out or you left, um, however you want to put it. Uh, I was going to ask if you were pushed or was it a decision you made yourself, but it sounds like you've already told us. Oh, oh yeah. So so okay. So that happened, and I remember uh, Paul called me into his office mm. and. And he was almost in tears. Oh, he, he was okay. he was just the best boss ever. Sounds like it, yeah. And yeah. every time, yeah, and every time I've been a boss uh, over the last forty years, I have modeled my bossness <laughs> for what bossness, like whatever <laughs> yeah, lack of a better yeah, after him. Yeah, because he was just a you know uh, the the troops came first yeah you know and and he would go to the map for us every time and you know he was just the best damn guy and he made sure that everybody was taken care of everybody, everybody oh. had a, a fair chance that everybody mm. was you know 
uh, was looked after as best as he possibly could. And I, I just cannot say enough about the man. Uh, I, I'm just a huge fan. Um, before any of that happened, he was an art teacher, high school art teacher, right. um, and a, a wrestling coach. <laughs> okay, excellent. Yeah. Oh, oh, big, big. We're oh, bodybuilder, huge. And I mean, it, it, he was like five foot nothing, so he was he was just like almost as wide as he was tall, just all muscle, you know. <laughs> And a gorgeous wife. If you ever look at, okay, look at his artwork on, on uh, like, uh, uh, what is it, Gorgon and, and a couple. Okay, the the, the hot blonde oh, of drape. Of Gorgon. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah I, another yeah. game I was actually playing recently, funnily enough. Yeah, I played that. So there you go. Lovely okay. game. A hot blonde draped at his feet. As his wife, mm. and 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 that's him. He always he always did self portraits, and he and his wife. He, he, he boy, so many pieces of art, back glass art has Paul and his wife in them. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, yeah, just yeah. So, so anyway, uh, back to uh, uh, Paul, Paul laying me off. I mean, he's like in, almost in tears, and and I remember thinking, saying to him. Hey, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You know, I'll, I'll bounce back. I'm, I'm like, oh my god, I gotta console him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm losing my job. I gotta console him. <laughs> you know, this guy, he's so cool. How cool is this? Yeah, oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And 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 all honesty, timing is everything. And they did me a favor. Um, I had a ton of friends that were working in the ad agencies downtown in Chicago, Michigan right. Avenue. You know. And, uh, location, you know, location, so, location. Yeah. Oh, how about it? How about it? So, you know, uh, the first thing he said, well, you know, you'll, oh, you lost your gig, dude. We can, we totally need some, you know, fast wrist here. You know, all the Christmas uh, stuff is just starting. Right. I'm telling you, my timing was perfect. I stepped into the ad agent just as they were pitching all the Christmas, um, you know, campaigns, and man, it was off to the races. I, I never had a, a moment that I wasn't working, and I, I and I freelanced from that moment on. And I spent the next two years looking for that job at yeah. like I had at Bally, you know, thinking it existed, and literally in the back of my head going, well, I'll, I'll take these, you know, these freelance gigs that are showing up, you know, until I find my dream job. That was four. That was like what thirty eight years ago. Yeah, I'm I'm giving up on it. <laughs> on that, okay. On that, I tell you what. Let's let let's wrap up my section. That that's fun. Absolutely fantastic. That's gold. That is Paul. Yeah. Oh oh, one more one more oh, thing. Go on. Go one, on. Yeah, one more, about, about Midnight Marauders. Oh my God, I almost forgot. Um, go on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the fast, so fast forward. I never even got to play the game when it was done. Like I, right. I was out the, out the door. It wasn't even finished. I only played it just recently, like a couple months ago at Galloping Ghost. Very first time I've ever played it 40 years or 38 years after the fact. Wow. And actually, I kicked its ass. I was surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not that great a game player, but I really, I, I smoked it that day. I, oh, but that is fascinating. And like, you know, who, who knew you'd get the chance to play, I mean, you know, maybe Pac-Man or whatever, you know, but right, Midnight right, Marauders, right? right? That, yeah. who, who knew that was going to be a thing? You're going to be able to do that 40 years later. Wow. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. So now, okay. So now, so fast forward from me getting laid off in 1984, uh, to 10 years ago, uh, I was at a wedding uh, with my wife, and who's there? Paul Ferris. Right. You know? Yeah, you know, and it turns out he was from the other side of the family, you know, whatever, you know, the, the wedding. And uh, so we're talking, and, and I said, hey, you know, I got I to gotta ask you, you know, that, that last 
when I was working on Midnight Marauders, I said, man, I, I busted my ass and I thought for sure, boy, I, you know, this is going to save my job. And he, and he just started laughing. And, and, and he goes, uh, oh, oh, no, no, that wasn't what happened at all. None of that was what happened. I said, what do you mean? No, he goes, your head was on the block from the beginning. Oh, God, he, really? He, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he, said, he said, you know, they came to me and they're like, yeah, off him. And he's going, no, I just started him on a game. He's finishing that game, and I don't care what you say. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, oh, my God, that's what really happened. He he kept me on until I finished the game. Wow. How, yeah. how cool is that guy? Yeah, that's uh, really cool. That's lovely. Uh, yeah, oh. yeah. You know, And I only found that out just recently. Like I said, a couple of years ago, we were at a wedding, and I was like, oh, my God, Paul, once again, you know, you, just, just when I thought I, I knew everything, <laughs> I know nothing. Yeah, what a guy. What a guy. <laughs> yeah, wow, what that, a guy. That, no, Truly, really that's really awesome. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to hand over to Tony. Okay, cool. So, Paul, as you previously mentioned, um, following your initial foray working in the arcade industry, you uh, moved into the advertising arena. Um, I just wonder how, how far removed this was from Midway. I've, I've got visions of long lunches, Miami Vice suits, and sacks of cocaine. <laughs> well. <laughs> which which may be an exaggeration, I don't know. Yeah, 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 but you know, you're not entirely wrong. Okay, you're you're not. Okay. Um. Well, well, I'll 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 just say this. Um. I have a very difficult time watching Mad Men. Okay. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Just say saying. Say no more. I'm yeah, just tapping the okay. side of my nose. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Um, so, so so so. But but anyway, um, like, uh, and actually, uh, I had uh, simultaneous careers. Like I never, it wasn't like, like when I left Bally, um, I was freelancing for them. In fact, like maybe a month or so after I left, I did a freelance gig and I got paid twice as much as what I was making when I was working there, which really pissed me off because I realized how much <laughs> they were really screwing me over all those years, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But um, yeah, I was working simultaneously. In fact, I, I also had a kind of a simultaneous career um, doing a lot of nature art for the Department of Natural Resources and the Forest Service. And okay. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so, so, so it sounds like was, yeah. I mean, it sounds like there was um, plenty of work about, despite the disappointment you were feeling of. Uh, oh, yeah, that was the, never the, a problem. Finding mm. work was never a problem. It was, it was just, you know. Um, you know, you get preconceived ideas on what you think should be happening. And, and you know, again, mm-hmm. just from the story I just relayed, you know, I didn't have all the information. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of times it's just go with the flow, man. Yeah. Of course, um, uh, it was around this time that uh, Mortal Kombat came about. And mm. I... I just wonder what it was like, um, you know, going back to your ex, having, oh. <laughs> having, having, presumably somebody somewhere thought, hang on a second, we need to contact this poor guy and get him back. Yeah, so, um, you- funny, yeah, funny how that all worked out too. Um, I, I, I don't know if you know, uh, oh, you probably do, that that Jean Claude Van Damme was supposed to have been on the side of the cabinet from from the get go. And uh, apparently through the negotiations and such that he just wanted everything and finally it just broke down and, and they, you know, offed him from, from the project. Mm-hmm. So the mentality was sort of, 
that the success of that game was riding on the support of, of Jean-Claude Van Damme and having him, you know, uh, his image be part of it. So when that was gone, and they literally hired Dan Piscina because he looked like him. Um, when that was gone, their mentality was that this game is going to be a, a big loser. But we're already this far into the production and that we can't turn back. It would be such a waste of time. So let's just crank it out and get it done. We'll make 200 games and call it a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the original plan. Yeah, lousy 200 games they made, okay? And and, the, and that was the reason I was brought on because I was a freelancer. Oh, they were like, yeah, yeah, we don't want to tie up one of the staff artists. Uh, hey, Greg, Greg Ferris, my former boss. Hey, Greg. Do you know anybody that, you know, could uh, nail this artwork and do it right the first time and throw a little bit extra into it and, you know, just, just pop it on quick. We, we need this done you know, without any, any mistakes and first try right out the door. And he goes, Paul's your guy. You know? And I was. That, that was kind of describing me. That That's what I did. I I, I came in and, you know, did, did things, nailed it, got it done, hit your deadline, sometimes Beat the deadline, you know. Get, got it in early, before, you know. You know, so so uh, that that's how I kind of was brought onto it. Yeah. How much um how much direction were you given at the start, Paul? Um, I mean, it, it doesn't sound like you you had sort of free reign to come up with something. You 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 were handed some pointers, some yeah, rough sketches. Yeah. Or? Uh, um, yeah. Yes and no on that. Um, mm-hmm. John Tobias had done a bunch of. I mean, he, he had pretty much done all the comps. For all the all the panels, side panel, um, the control panel, but they were rough, you know. And 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 I mean, they're brilliant. Don't get me wrong, but you know, they were loose and rough, and that's what comps are, right? You know. Okay, so um, I was given that, and then, and at the time, the game was called Dragon Attack, mm-hmm. and m- my very first meeting is was when they changed it to Mortal Kombat. Uh, I remember, <laughs> I remember we had talked for like an hour and a half about you know all the aspects because they were okay. They were way into the game already, designing it. You know, as far as like the actual actual playing game. You know, and, and I and I got right away that I I'm being brought in midstream here. You know, like this has all been been going on for a little bit, quite a bit here. So so right. here's what we're planning. Here's what we got in mind. We need you to, to crank this out and, you know, give it the old Paul magic and, you know, if it, however much time you can do it in, do it in less. <laughs> you know? So I was like, okay, that, that sounds like the regular, that sounds like the usual set of instructions. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, got it. it. It's interesting though, isn't it? I mean, it, it's, it's probably the game which is most attached to your name. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can't have imagined at the time <laughs> what the combat series would have become later on. I mean, it, you, there you are. They're saying, "Well, you know, we're just going to get this out the door with a couple of hundred cabinets." Um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's you know, funny how life turns out, right? Right. Well, and, and here's the thing too. Um, at the time, I was working on. Uh, okay, I did four games that that same year, and the other game mm-hmm. I worked on was Time Killers uh, from Incredible Technologies. And that game was literally designed to be the competition of Dragon Attack, which I didn't know had been named to Mortal Kombat at the time. Uh, but um, 
Again, there was another, I mean, in that particular game, I did all the background art for the actual game. And their production was the opposite of Mortal Kombat, where they had scan, they scanned actual artwork to make the backgrounds, and then the fighters were electronically generated. Whereas Mortal Kombat was the other way around. The backgrounds were electronically generated, and, and then we had actual photographs of, of you know, the characters, you know, the actual actors mm-hmm. that were all spliced together. So, you know, I thought that was unique that they both approached the same. Like, I had a front row seat for both of them, you know, watch, yeah. watching that happen. Um, that was pretty mm-hmm. pretty interesting. But again, nobody knows Time Killers. And, and the other two games I worked on that year, I don't even remember the name of them because they died on the vine. But I, me- I remember pouring my heart and soul in- into those. So you never know what's going to hit or not going to hit or, or happen. Or, well, yeah, yeah it's... Know. I was gonna. I was gonna touch on this. I mean, it, you know, the artwork for the original Mortal Kombat series really, really sort of, you know, set the scene for for the entire series. You know, wow. almost up to you know um, the releases today on modern consoles. And I, you know, I guess what you delivered is so much more than just some funky art attached to it to it to a game. And I thank you very much. That was I, very kind. You know, I wonder if I wonder how you view that now. Whether Oh, you knew it was going to be, you know, <laughs> what it turned out to be, or actually whether it was just, 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 just blind luck. You know, this was the game that you know well, caught the wind and and off it went. Yeah, maybe well, probably a little bit of both of those. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, well, here's the thing: um, the attitude that the the boys upstairs had was probably a blessing in disguise because nobody was watching the kids. Okay, we could do whatever right. the hell we wanted to, and I did. I remember, um, like, okay, we got this dragon on the side. Hey, you know, how about if I airbrushed transparent red inks onto frosted vellum, and the camera will see the red as black. But since I'm doing red and they're transparent, I can overlay other, you know, uh, um, uh, separations over that. And, and create this great complex look by overlapping you know, these things and still see what I'm doing. And I'd never done anything like that before. And, and, and nobody, there was no opportunity to do that before because everything was pretty much cut and dry. But in this particular case, they really didn't give a damn. Just get it out. Oh, you're having fun, are you? Good for you. Whatever. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, look, you came up with something that, uh, quite lovely and it, and it worked the very first time. Yay for us. Good thing it didn't fuck up because we would have made you eat that. You know? Right. <laughs> so, you know that that was more the attitude than that. Then you know I was like, oh look at you. You know you came up with something. Good for you. Whatever. Here's yeah. A pat, here's a pat on the head and a doggy biscuit. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's 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 um you know continues to pay the bills to this day, Paul. I guess one could argue in for somebody. In you, <laughs> you, well, yeah. I mean, in in your case, you're you're fortunate enough to be able to um, meet fans and, and and engage with them in around the sort of gaming convention circuit over there. Right. In, in, and, but in that's the only USA, rec- but that's only hmm. recent. You know? yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I was in obscurity for twenty seven years. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, so it, it's nice. That now I'm getting to meet the fans, and that's the best part of this. That's, that's just amazing. Yeah, getting to absolutely. hear all these these stories and people coming to me and and mm. sharing, and uh, it, it's really amazing. It really is. Uh, that that's kind of the best part of the whole thing. It really is. Yeah, we 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 hear that a lot from various people like Brian Collin and and um, uh, Warren Davis. They they you know um, tell similar stories. You. 
You recently received some heat um, <laughs> regarding your intention to talk about the Mortal Kombat series. I, I ah. just 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 wonder just wonder how how that kind of made you feel, really. Um, actually, I got, I got a big question mark over my head. I, I'm like, why? Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, you know, For the benefit of our listeners, Paul, could you could you tell us what what the uh, well, yeah, I, 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 I guess I guess I can say this. Um, I mean, I have talked to legal counsel, and they they were like, "Well, you know, don't don't get too don't get too wordy here." Um, mm-hmm. I, I received a, a cease and desist letter um, that I am now to appear with the logo that I illustrated. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So, um, my so presumably. Presumably, from a sort of technical legal point of view, and granted, we we can't talk in in a great deal of detail. Sure, but sure. essentially, essentially, at the time you were a freelancer, you were doing a job for a company, and yes. at the end of the project, I guess this is true of any project that you might have done over the years, you essentially hand that over to the company in exchange for a for a paycheck, right? Oh uh, yeah. Um, and and here's the thing, as a, as a freelancer, um, and I always included this on every invoice. That I had, uh, that I reserved the right to show uh, and promote myself with the artwork that I made for this particular, not to make a profit off of, but just to promote myself. And uh, and, and like I said, I, I always include that in on the invoice, you know, and, and have since day day one, you know. So that was kind of my my contention. Is, is uh, I went back and forth with. Um, uh, the legal firm that that contacted me, and because they they said, well, you don't have permission, and I, and I was like, well, I don't think I need permission. No, I'm I'm just promoting myself, if, you know. With, yeah, with- if I may, if I may, gents, that I mean, speaking as a former illustrator mm-hmm. myself, that mm-hmm. and but not having done so for about ten years now on a full time basis, that that strikes me as very odd. It sounds like they're chancing it, but I'm, I may be I may be completely off. Maybe they no, uh, no, maybe no, times no. have changed. I, you're, yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand it any more than than you do, you know. Uh, I, you know, and, and, I, and I'm glad you're, you're saying that. I, I mean, I, I actually looked up your bio too, and I, and I was, I was like, oh, cool. I was like, oh, you know, you, oh, cheers. You, you know, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no, no. Um, but you, you, you get it. You get, yeah, you get it. You know, what I mean, it's, it's like, yeah, a little bit, yeah, uh, a little bit. It's been a while. It's uh, been a while. Back to Tony, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, regardless of the sport, sports pool, I think you know certainly Mortal Kombat is uh, a, a very healthy part of your CV oh, for sure. Yeah. And um, on that note, I'm going to hand over to Paul, who I think is going to wrap things up for us. Uh, hello, Paul. Hey, how's um, it going? I'm all right. I'm still here. Um, Paul, we've we've spent uh, fascinating time talking about all your artwork on the cabinets. I just wanted to pick up the fact that you, the one game where you actually produced art that was on the screen and that's for this game, Time Killers. Yeah. And I just wondered, was it, was it a different process producing art that would go on screen, not on the cabinets? It, it was that, that was, okay. A, that was very unique. Um, I'd never done that before. And the way that they were going about doing it was, was uh, very reminiscent of, uh, cartooning backgrounds <clears throat> excuse me where the the far background was stationary and then you know uh each layer coming forward as the action in the foreground moved so did the backgrounds and all that they, they would uh, you know, yeah, move, yeah. move accordingly and they had put together a program that could alter like like uh we were i was encouraged to make either parallel lines or 
you know, uh, uh, all, all, all parallel lines, either, either vertical or horizontal, you know, so that as they were fighting and moving back and forth on the screen, the perspective could be altered. And it was easier when you had horns, like if you had a bunch of planks, you know. Very simple, yeah, really incredibly simple programming at, at the, but at the time it was kind of, you know, oh, well, that's pretty cool. It really gives it dimension and, you know, and it looked like a, a very elaborate cartoon. Yeah, it does. If it, I mean, you can play it on MAME and the, the backgrounds that you do are from sort of different time periods and they're really lovely and then in the foreground there's this rather clunky fighting game with a lot of, dismem- <laughs> a lot of dismemberment it doesn't go yes. so, you know when you put pl- yeah. when you played it did you think like my backgrounds are looking great <laughs> oh dear <laughs> the stuff yeah. going on at the fourth yeah. uh, oh, in the foreground not my. so good right right <laughs> that's uh, about right actually <laughs> That's so sad because yes, he didn't really go anywhere that game, did <laughs> yeah, he? Yeah, so, but, uh, but you know, again, you know, I have no control over any of that, and uh, no, of course you know, you not. just do the best you can with what you've got to work with, and and hope that it all works out, and uh, <laughs> and, sub- and sometimes it doesn't. Um, now we right. do. Yeah, um, we um, our podcast is of course focused on on video games from the golden age, but we couldn't resist asking you about a couple of other things. One. Apparently, for many years, you ran a haunted attraction in, <laughs> in Chicago. What exactly is a haunted attraction? Ah, okay. Well, um, well it, it's a professional haunted house. And, uh, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I had about, oh, it's a pretty big show. It was about 70 cast members. Wow. And uh, we were in a, yeah, uh, and uh, like full... You know, full Hollywood style makeup with prosthetics and the whole nine yards. It was, it was pretty, <laughs> pretty extensive. I mean, we'd go through about one hundred and fifty dollars to two hundred dollars in makeup a night. Wow! Oh yeah, we haven't got yeah, anything yeah, like yeah. this. I mean, we have real ghosts. We have real ghosts in England. We're, we're, <laughs> yeah, a, yeah, yeah. we're an old country. You know, you have to make yours up. But we, <laughs> have, we haven't got anything anything like that. So yeah, yeah. wow! So you so you made a lot of the what the kind of yeah we made the, the props. Of props. Right, yeah, made, made all the props and designed the rooms and um, designed the characters and dressed them all up. And um, I had about 8,000 square feet uh, indoors and another 5,000 square feet outdoors. Uh, so that was a pretty big show, <laughs> 13,000 square feet, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot. Wow, I'm starting to start, 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 amazing, man. amazing. Um, uh, yes. I am, yeah, I'm impressed. Um, another thing that is perhaps more connected to video games is that you have worked on pinball tables. Yeah, yeah uh, most, most recently, yeah, exactly. After all, all, it's what what you wanted to be when you grew up, and now finally you've grown up. I'm not grown up so, yet. Uh, yeah, still sort of. Um, tell us a bit. I particularly, I think you've recently done one called Legends of Valhalla, yes. which has been really. Really well received. So, how did that come about? Yeah, though? yeah. Oh, that, that was great. That was so much fun. Hey, hey, you know the best part about that was was I got to work with Jack Hager again. I uh, I literally oh, not. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I had not worked with him since Mortal Kombat twenty nine years before. How crazy! Oh, that's a, that's amazing. So yeah, you produced yeah. some of the actual figures that go on the playfield. Have I got that right? Yeah. Um. I yeah. Uh. I ended up sculpting. Uh, which is what I do a lot now. And it was very 
that was very unusual too in that I was sculpting the little, uh, I sculpted Odin on his throne and then the gates of Valhalla and then a pile of skulls. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like Odin on his throne is like maybe two and three quarter inches tall, you know, and it's got all this detail. And I literally did it with, with a, you know, a big magnifying glass and, and dental tools. You use old dental tools, oh. you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, ironically, while I was doing it, I was also, I was working on a huge eight-foot-tall pumpkin for a, <laughs> for a, a fall fest, you know. So, okay, and so both they're going, very small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very big. <laughs> you, work, you work in all sizes. I, I'm <laughs> impressed. Um, it wasn't the first pinball table you'd worked on then. I believe back in the, I think, the early 90s, you worked on Demolition. Man, demolition um, man. Yeah, how did, yeah, yeah. How did that? Didn't you have a few issues yeah. with a certain Dan, Danny Glover? He did not <laughs> like your work. No, <laughs> Mister Mister Wesley Snipes. Uh, well, oh, it's not Danny Glover. It shows how little I know oh, about nineties yeah, yeah, um, no, action no, movies. Right. There, <laughs> no, Danny. So, and, Danny and I'm I. So are, arty. Danny and I are cool. <laughs> All right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right, so, it's just this Wesley guy. Yeah, right, yeah, 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 got yeah, it. Yeah, okay, yeah. Right, I understand that. Okay, right. Yeah. So, so what was Wesley? Yeah. What was Wesley? Oh, okay. So, um, so uh, Doug Watson called me up. And uh, he was working for Williams uh, at the time, and and he said, "Oh, we got this uh, pinball game uh, going on. I need the back class artwork." Linda Deal was uh, supposed to have done the artwork, but she got caught up on another project, so that I got brought into it. Um, I put together a comp, and it had Stallone in the center, and it had Sandra Bullock, and it was her very first movie, and and, and then Wesley Snipes, and, and of course he's the insane, you know character so i kind of i portrayed him as he's wild-eyed he's you know so uh stallone liked it you know they all signed off on it in fact i was i was surprised i remember uh stallone wrote uh nice like they never write anything usually it's just like (laughs) yay or nay or whatever you know it's good but he wrote nice you know and i thought i I, I was like hey that was kind of cool you know know, (laughs) snipes had a laundry list of things that were wrong. Um, first of all, you made me look crazy. Have you seen the movie? <laughs> you should see the movie. You are crazy. Oh my god! What the hell? Uh, and then, and then, oh, and his people sent over a bunch of like pretty boy, you know, like, like uh, uh, Cos- Cosmo shots, you know, GQ looking. <laughs> and that's what's right. The, and that's right. and, and, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, what were the other? Oh, oh, his head wasn't as big as, as Stallone's. Uh, his be- his <laughs> head, yeah, his head was the same size as Sandra Bullock's, and she this is her first movie. Uh, I'm insulted. Um, uh, what, there was a bunch of other stuff. You know. There's a lot of who would have thought a lot of uh, ego in Hollywood. What, I what a surprise! Know, um, so no, who would have now, thought that? Weird. <laughs> Just weird. So now yeah. you are living your childhood dream of working on pinball tables. Yeah, yeah. We just wondered if have you got any more pinball uh, working in the pipeline? Have you got anything coming up? Um, no, but this would be a great time to solicit some. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we can, we'll just ask for the honest ten percent if we can get you some work. Yeah, what about? Great. I tell you what, sure. though, that you said that you um you live near Galloping Ghost Arcade. Yeah. And we know that sometimes Doc Mac, who runs that arcade. And um, sometimes sort of creates games that were perhaps, you know, didn't come out before or, you know, kind of games that had been sort of lost to time. Yes. Do you think, 
you think you might ever see yourself designing the art for for a new a new stroke old arcade cabinet? Well, you know, it's it's funny. Um, we had actually discussed that there was a, a game that I had done. Uh, oh, well, it was one of those one offs. You know, it, it was the the header header art for a one off, um, and it was called Fighting Rollers. And uh, apparently, uh, oh, I remember I was doing a podcast with Doc, and uh, and I brought that out. And I said, oh yeah, here's one of those. He goes, oh my god, I own the rights to Fighting Rollers. Wow, wow. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I'm like, what? Maybe why wasn't the right question, you know? <laughs> but, yeah. but, uh, yeah, he was, That's he was amazing. Like, yeah, so he was like, oh my God, we should, we should. So for, for a little bit there, we, we toyed around with it. And, and actually, I, I actually redesigned uh, the characters to be more dynamic and, you know, and that's as far as I got. I, I, I kind of pussed around with, with a, 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 a skating kind of a robot. So um, it kind of looked like... Uh, Maybe an escapee from Halo on skates. Oh. <laughs> so, on skates, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. Naturally. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, okay. uh, so, yeah, for, for oh, lack of a well, better look, description. Really, <laughs> well, it would, be, it would be wonderful to see some of your, you know, old work out there in a, in a modern arcade. That was Can I just say, you have given us a huge amount of your time and regaled us with all those tales. Thank you, thank you so much. And I just want to say that I've actually managed to source a Satan's Hollow arcade flyer. So if I sent it to you, would you, would you sign it for me to add of to my... Of course, it would be my pleasure. That, that would be... Fantastic. Yeah, Here Paul's got a vast collection of signed flyers or um, cell sheets, as I believe they yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, cell time. sheets, right, yeah. Well, one, one interesting thing about the cell sheet from Tapper, uh, if you look at it, it's it's a bar scene, and uh, we've got a couple of, of models set, set straight over the agency, and more, they, they, they look like it, too. And uh, the art director is over in the left-hand corner uh, cheering it on. If you look way in the back of the bar, there's this tall guy jumping up going, hey, that's me. They did the photo shoot in a, in a bar uh, about a block from Wrigley Field where the Cubs play. Uh, and, and... I've, I've actually got that one on my wall. Okay. So you carry on. I'm just going to go and get yeah, it. Carry right. on. You say Cheerios, boys. I'm just going to go and get that one. All right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, Paul, um, just thank you so much. I mean, the, the, the variety of tales that you, you've got to tell as a just a humble artist in the arcade industry uh, are um, fascinating. So um, thanks very much for the awesome insight you've given us today. Well, thank you. That was very kind of you yeah, to say. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Paul. I, I always say this, but it but it has been an honour. Also, I like I really like listening to your voice. It's like a, a combination of uh, Jeff Bridges and David Lee Roth. Um, <laughs> you've got, yeah, uh, you, something something quite special about that accent. Oh, well, I like well, it a lot. Wow, well, thank you very much. Can I say, I've got the flyer here. And there's a quite a lot of. You're not the guy who looks like the go compare person. Um, I've got who's like a, wearing it with a moustache, a salmon, co- I mean, a salmon coloured sweater. He's the guy on the left. Yeah, that's way it. in the back. Oh, there you go. Where, like, yeah, by the, yeah. Right by the door. Of the... Salmon sweater. Yeah, yeah. You are right at the back. Yes, yeah, look yeah. at you there. With them. I think, yeah. <laughs> there we are. Yeah, it, Thanks, Paul. There was a Sunday You're m- on my wall. No, there was a Sunday morning at a, at about like 6, 6, 6.30 in the morning. That's the only time they could get the bar. And and I remember I remember getting there and they're going, yeah, you can drink all the Budweiser you want. Oh, please don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, thanks. Uh, 
beer for breakfast. That's you right. know what? You actually look like the Wreck It Ralph depiction of Tapper himself in the bar. I'm just looking now. Brilliant. That's brilliant. They just oh, sent me a, a picture over. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Oh. Nice tash. Nice tash. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Paul. Abs- that was great. It was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so very much, and, and I'm honored that, that I had the opportunity to, to be on your show. Thank you so very much. You've been listening to the Ted Dabney Experience podcast with me, Richard May. Retro Gamer Magazine's Paul Drury and arcade blogger Tony Temple. The show was produced and edited by myself with a bespoke score and sound suite by Ghost of Wood. Additional technical support by Jason Arbor. Thank you.